0: Hello everyone. This is my uh, pre-recorded class on the sacrament of confession and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So I'm sitting here in the early in the morning, Monday morning, drinking my coffee. Mmm. Thank goodness for coffee. And uh I'm happy to share with you some of my thoughts on these uh, wonderful topics. So, So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, so these. Um, uh, The uh, sacrament of confession, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Okay, well, why do we even need confession? Well, the fact is, as everyone knows, I mean, people sin. I find it interesting. Uh, Modern man, uh, you know, modern man has a lot of self contradictions that he lives with. And he does. He's not even aware, really, of all the self contradictions that he has. But uh, one of these self contradictions is modern man. On one hand, um, on on the one hand, he says that sin is not real. Okay, so there's no such modern man will say there's no such thing as sin. And, um. He'll say that sin is uh, uh, just a medieval thing made up by medieval clerics to make people feel bad uh, and to control them. And so uh, he would say, modern man would say a modern enlightened person no longer believes in sin. So morality is relative. There is no absolute morality. And each person can decide for himself what is right and what is wrong. Uh, but on the other hand, he he still denounces uh, traditional Christians uh, for being mean and judgmental and uh, arrogant and trying to control people with guilt and uh, now if you notice there's a contradiction there because he's saying it, he's saying it's wrong to make people feel guilty okay he's saying it's he's saying it's wrong to try and control people with guilt but but earlier he said that nothing's wrong that there uh, that everything is okay um uh, so so this uh, obviously is a contradiction uh, uh and i imagine most of these people uh if you were to uh burn down their house uh and uh beat them up um beat them up and uh and kill their dogs and cats um they would tell you that what you did was really truly wrong so it seems that even these very secular people who are who try who make an attempt to deny uh, a, 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 the reality of sin and absolute morality, they still fall into it all the time. They still fall into that mindset of thinking that th- there is such a thing as sin, that there is such a thing as um, absolute morality uh, so uh, on on Monday, they say there is no morality, but on Tuesday they say there is. Mostly because they're saying that traditional Christians are just mean and nasty, and uh, uh, so forth. Uh, also, you know, if, if you, of course, if you uh, take a bat and kill their pet dog, they, they would say that that was really, truly wrong as well. So, um, uh, it seems to me that there's no, there's no, really no escaping the whole concept of absolute mor- moral truth. Uh, even if we try and escape from it, we just end up following it, falling into it again. And I think that's because it's something that's so true that it's just built into our whole system of being. It's built into our whole system of thinking. We can't even really think without thinking about absolute morality. So I think that any rash, I think that any rational person of goodwill. Has to acknowledge that some behavior is moral, uh, and some behavior is immoral, and I don't think there's any. Uh, I don't think there's any way to get around that. I think we just have to uh, accept it. Um, so the fact is, we are we are capable of doing good. We are also capable of doing bad. And in fact, you know, we do bad quite a lot. Um, so, so because we do bad, because we offend God, there has to be a reconciliation with God. Um, we, uh, if, if we have offended God, which of course we do all the time, we have to reconcile with God. We have to uh, apologize to God and come back to God. Um so what's the first step? Well the first step is to receive baptism. Um now most of us of course receive baptism as a as a baby, but some of us do receive baptism as an adult. Um So um so this is, this is what Jesus gave us as the first step, as the first step in reconciliation with God. So uh, let's say an adult is baptized. So an adult comes forward and he wants to be baptized. Um, so he's baptized and all of his sins are washed away. Um, original sin is washed away and all of his actual sins are washed away. So uh, even those sins that uh, he committed himself, those are washed away too. Now, here's the problem. This is a very practical problem. And the problem is that we can only receive baptism one time. A uh, Bummer, isn't it? Um, uh, it? It would be nice if we could receive baptism many times. But keep in mind, baptism is a new birth. And, you know, we're not born many times. We're just born once. So, uh, we can only be reborn once as well. Um, So uh but because but you know but after we receive baptism we we continue to sin. I mean we're uh, we're not uh immune we're not immune from sin. Now of course someone may ask, well Father Max, I thought original sin was washed away, so why do people continue to commit sin? Well, the fact is that uh, uh baptism forget baptism takes away the uh uh original sin but the the scar the scar of original sin remains uh the effects of original sin remain so uh please excuse these pauses i'm drinking my coffee so uh we still, we still have to struggle with the results, with the effects of original sin. It would be the same if someone were to, uh, in a fit of rage, cut off his own hand, and uh, then later he regretted that and he sought baptism, and of course the priest would baptize him, but his hand is not going to grow back, you know. So he's he's forgiven for cutting his own hand off, but uh, after he receives baptism, that. That hand is still gone, and, and it's not coming back. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we mean, is the, the effects of original sin remain with us, so we, we still feel that pull down, we still feel that, uh, um, that gravitational pull um, towards sin, and that's why we continue to commit sin after baptism. Now the problem is that uh, the problem is that um, we need a way to be reconciled to God after baptism. So that's what Jesus provided as well. So uh, if you notice, uh, Gospel of John chapter twenty, Jesus. Uh, after, this is after the resurrection. Jesus greets his apostles. Then he breathes on them. And then he says, um, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain, they are retained. So he is conferring upon the apostles the ability to forgive sin. Now, Jesus in himself has, of course, since he's God, he has the power to forgive sin. Um, and we see that in the Gospels, in the four Gospels, Jesus frequently forgives people's sins. Uh, we can think of the cripple who was brought to Christ. And Jesus said, my son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees didn't like him saying that. Um, also, uh, there was the woman caught in adultery. You know, Jesus forgave her too. Uh, and then there was the woman who wept and bathed the feet of Jesus with her tears Jesus forgave her sins as well so so we can see so we can see that Jesus uh, had this uh office this uh ministry of forgiving sins well he now after the resurrection he shares that power he shares that ability with his apostles. And of course, the apostles, by ordaining new men and new priests, can continue to uh, pass on this uh, wonderful gift of uh, confession, the the ability, the power uh, to forgive sin. Now, uh, uh, okay, my coffee's getting low. Now, I'm sure you're... Uh, Thinking to yourself, okay, so Jesus says, I give you the power to forgive sin, and whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and then whose sins you retain are retained. Well, Father Max, what's this thing about retaining sin? Well, okay, what that means is that uh, some people are not ready to be forgiven yet. Um, uh, We can imagine someone... uh, we can imagine someone walks into uh, someone walks into the confessional, and he's confessing his sins, and he says, "Father, I uh, robbed a bank yesterday, and tomorrow I plan on robbing the bank again." Okay, I mean, and and the priest would have to say, "Well, my son, uh, I mean, I can't forgive you right now. I mean, it's there's no possibility of." Uh, forgiveness uh, because you're not really repentant you're not you're not in a place where you can be forgiven um, you can't uh, you can't repent because you know you're you're basically defying God and you you have a plan in place you, you have this p- plan in place to continue to commit sin uh, so there's no possibility of you receiving absolution. Okay, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's what Jesus means, is that, is that some people are not ready to be uh, forgiven. And some people simply need to take more time and to pray more uh, before they can present themselves uh, for absolution. So, it's just one of those things. Um, now, uh, so, so Jesus, Jesus forgave sins himself. Uh, Jesus passes on the power to forgive sin to his apostles, and uh, the apostles, of course, continue to pass on uh, the power to forgive sin uh, to future generations. Uh, future generations of priests—that is, so uh, so th- so priests now have this faculty; they have this ability to forgive sin. Um, now, I'm going. I'm excuse me. I need to run upstairs get me some more coffee, but I'll take my phone with me. So, uh... Confession is, is a wonderful and a beautiful sacrament. But we do have to use it the right way, and, um, we do have to, uh, follow the rules. I mean, the rules aren't that bad, but we just, um... You know, people. I know modern people hate rules. You know, modern people want to be completely free and with no one telling them what to do. But the fact is, sometimes, sometimes rules have to be followed. You know, like flying an airplane. One can't just fly an airplane however one wants to. One, a pilot has to follow very strict rules about flying the airplane. So, um, some things demand strict rules like flying an airplane. You know, you can't just do whatever you want. You have to follow protocol. You have to do what is necessary for safety. So, that's the same thing with confession. Confession, uh, we have to approach it the right way. We have to do it the right way. And... uh, now with confession um the first thing you know before we go to confession we have to we have to do an examination of conscience uh so we have to consider we have to think about we have to consider we have to think about uh we have to examine ourselves. Uh, we have to think about our past. We have to think about the choices we have made, at least since our last good confession. And uh, there's obviously there – um, there are two kinds of sin that we're looking for whenever we do uh, a self-examination. Examination of conscience is what we call it. And uh, uh, one is, of course, uh, venial sin. Uh, So what are venial sins? Give me a second. I'm going to drink some coffee. Uh, Nothing beats coffee. Coffee in the early morning is just wonderful. So, uh, well, venial sins are small sins. Uh, These are little sins that offend God, um, but uh, uh, they don't don't kill the soul. And uh, venial sins, of course, are very common, and we commit them all the time. Um. and uh, so you know uh, what are venial sins oh you know getting mad at the kids yelling at the kids because they didn't take out the garbage and they didn't do the dishes um, now obviously it's okay to reprimand the children and say that you should have you ought to have taken out the garbage um, and maybe it's also okay to ground them to ground them and uh, because they didn't take out the garbage so so that they can't go to parties and have fun because they didn't take out the garbage so that's all okay but but to just to just get angry to to, to just uh verbally abuse uh would be a sin and uh now in most cases that that's a venial sin uh though verbal abuse uh, taken to a certain level and taken to a certain degree can become mortally sinful if it becomes quite severe um Um, but, but, um, so, so uh, also other little sins, telling little lies, you know, uh, exaggerating our accomplishments, um, leaving work uh, early when we have no reason to leave early, um, uh, being lazy, um, watching too much TV, eating too much ice cream. Uh, being you know kind of cocky and arrogant, gossiping um, uh, these are these are uh typical very typical venial sins, and to be honest, we're falling into these all the time um, so uh, these are very common now by a statement common, I'm not saying it's just okay, I mean. We can't ever just say, well, sin is okay, um, You say, well, it's only a venial sin. Well, you know, we, we need to be striving against venial sin. We can't just say, it's only a venial sin, therefore I'm just going to keep on doing it. That's not the right attitude uh, for, for several reasons. Uh, uh, venial sins, you know, they, they kind of eat away at, the, at our spiritual life and our, at our relationship with God. And also, venial sins—you uh, commit enough venial sins, and and it kind of opens the door to uh, mortal sin. Uh, it kind of conditions us. You know, once we become okay with committing venial sin, then eventually we're going to be okay with committing mortal sin. So, uh, uh, so we we can't have this attitude of just. Like, well, you know, I know gossiping's bad, but I'm just going to keep on doing it uh, because it's only a venial sin. Uh, no, we can't do that. We, we, meet, we need to make an effort to overcome our venial sins. Hence, that's, hence we forget we, we confess them. <laughs> There's no point in confessing them if we're not repenting of them. And if we're not repenting of them, then we really can't go to confession because we're not repentant. So, so even with venial sins, there has to be this, this attitude of wanting to do better, uh, wanting to um, improve, and overcoming this uh, problem or that problem. Um, so so, uh, so we look for our venial sins first, you know, just all the little things. That we did, and of course, I mean it's understandable. We will never remember them all. Um, I'm not sure we could even confess them all uh, uh, because there are so many. Of course, that uh, it would take a very long time to confess them all in confession. Um, so, so don't. So, we need not be so hard on ourselves when it comes to venial sin. Uh, we don't have to confess them all. Um, we're not obliged to confess all of our. Venial sins, um, uh, but we should we should confess some of them, and we should we sh- we need to be really repentant of them. And that means we need to uh, really intend to uh, change. Um, so, so we. Uh, oh, what am I thinking? I just, need, I just need to drink more coffee. Um, so, I mean, it's not, it's not even possible to remember all of our venial sins. I mean, no one can do that. Uh, so I guess the thing is to select kind of the, the major venial sins, uh, the ones that stick out in our mind, the ones that, that we really remember, uh, and confess those and try as, try very hard to be contrite over them. And we, we also have to have a firm purpose of amendment. You know, we, we need to have this, uh, real intention uh, of not doing the sin in the future uh, now it's okay to say you know I'm very weak and it's likely I'm gonna fall into this sin but you know still we have to form an intention we have to form a, a real desire to uh, change uh, that we will we will at least make the attempt to change so uh, so thus, um so thus we have to uh remember all of our venial sins okay so so we look for our venial sins then we have to look at our mortal sins now uh mortal sins are different these are major sins uh uh sins that actually kill the soul and that separate us from god and uh, they're dangerous because if we die in that state then we can't go to heaven. Uh, it's impossible. Uh, we we there's only one other option for us, uh, and that's hell, which is not uh, any good. So we don't really want to do that. Um, so what we what we need to do is what we need to do. What we ought to do is to. Um, Be very, uh, very much, make every effort to not commit mortal sin, but it does happen. Um, so, what makes a mortal sin? What, what makes it different from a venial sin? Well, there are uh, three three conditions uh, that really tell us about tell us that something is a mortal sin. Uh, one is uh, full knowledge. So, we we know that it's seriously wrong ahead of time. Um, So we have to we have to know. I mean, we have to know that it's seriously wrong and we have to be convinced that it is seriously wrong. Um, So so there. uh, Oh, I just need more coffee. Sorry, it's very early in the morning so we have to have full knowledge i mean so we so we have to know ahead of time um we have to be aware ahead of time um that this thing is a mortal sin now um um so we, we need full knowledge. And then also, we need full consent. Now, so what this means is that uh, we have to do it freely, um, not being coerced. So, uh, so you can imagine a bank employee uh, with a gun to her head, and she's opening the safe uh, so that the thieves can get the money. Um, now, she is not guilty of... Bank robbery. She's not guilty of theft, uh, even though she's opening the safe because there's a gun to her head. Uh, she, she, she is under coercion, so she is not. Um, she is not responsible for what has is happening because she. Um, she has a gun to her head. So she does not have full consent. So for, for us to commit mortal sin, we, we need full consent. So full knowledge, full consent. So, And full consent also applies to uh, mental illness. So uh, people who are severely mentally ill um, are not responsible for their actions. Uh, so we can imagine... We, we, uh, we can imagine that, um, we can imagine that, uh, we can imagine that, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, we can imagine that someone has a brain tumor, and the brain tumor is causing them to have severe hallucinations, and, uh. Um the brain tumor's causing causing him to have severe hallucinations, and he thinks the world's overrun by zombies. He picks up a baseball bat and in his mind he 's uh beating up zombies, but in reality he 's beating up normal people um so uh he's not responsible for the injuries and the death that happens because of his mental illness because he does not have full consent so uh So full consent also just means someone has to be sane. Someone has to be mentally healthy when they make the decision. Okay, so we need full knowledge, full consent, and then grave matter or serious matter. So it has to be a serious offense. I mean it has to be something serious. Um, So stealing a candy bar is not quite grave matter. I mean that's bad and everything, but it's not – It's not seriously bad. It's... uh, um, Pete, someone's not going to go to hell for stealing a candy bar, certainly. Um, Cheating on a math test is obviously not grave matter. You know, I mean, it's bad, of course, to cheat on the math test, but it's... um, uh, But... But it's not a mortal sin. I mean, someone's not going to go to hell because they cheated on a math test. I mean, so that's just part of i mean that's just true now so what are what is grave matter well um well i mean what obviously what, what comes to people's minds first are the sexual sins and those are certainly important but we, we have to keep in mind that there's lots of mortal sins which are not sexual um so but i will cover the sexual first because that's what people think of first um, so, things that are grave matter. Uh, basically, as Jesus and the Church defines it, there's only one legitimate expression for uh, sexual activity, and that is between a husband and wife in marriage. Um, other than that, there there uh, there's no there's no legitimate exercise of sexual faculties, and most most of these offenses are grave matter. Um, so. Uh, pornography would be grave matter, uh, masturbation, um, uh, sex before marriage, um, homosexuality, homo- well, homosexual behavior is what I mean, uh, because some, some, just being a homosexual is not a sin. I mean, just having that orientation is not a sin. But, but of course, acting on it is a sin. Uh, so uh, homosexual behavior, um, adultery, of course, uh, is a sin. Um, lost, you know, just deliberately engaging uh, in in sexual fantasies. And I say deliberately because, you know, sexual temptations are always flying into our mind. Uh, that happens to everyone. And there's no getting around it. It's just part of life. Um, uh, so those are just temptations, though. Uh, we, we feel the temptation and then we dismiss it. And so no sin is has been committed. Uh, but but it is a sin to deliberately cultivate sexual fantasies um so uh, and all that now uh the sexual sins can occur if, within marriage um uh mostly in terms of trying to prevent new life so uh the use of uh condoms would be a sexual sin uh, even in marriage uh contraception of course um and uh, um, so all of these uh so all of these offenses are are grave matter and uh, and to to consent to them willingly uh, would be to commit mortal sin uh, but you know, there is one other element to consider, and that is that God does understand the weakness we have in terms of sex. We're, we're very weak in the sexual nature. Now, I'm not saying God is just writing a blank check and we can do whatever we want. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, sin is still sin. But uh, I am simply saying that that uh, we are very weak in this area, and uh, uh, we... we uh, God... I will be more merciful than not when he judges us on the sexual uh sins. Um but that doesn't mean that we should just say, okay, well, God's merciful, so I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no, no. That's not that's a bad idea. Um you know we don't we don't want to do that. Um but but we we do need to make a daily effort to uh live our sexuality, according to uh, God's law. Now, I mean, it's it's difficult, of course, but uh, but it's but you know, it's what God expects of us, um, and it is possible. You know, uh, it is possible. We need not um, despair. The God is there. God is there to help us. So uh, you know, we we need to. Uh, um, we need to make real effort and real prayer to be chaste. you know they should be a daily prayer, Lord, make me chaste, Lord, let me live sexuality the way you want me to, okay, okay, so those are the sexual sins now now, what people often forget, I mean people focus so much on the sexual sins that they forget that there are sins that are not sexual, even mortal sins that are not sexual and uh, so but there's lots of there's lots of <laughs> of mortally sinful behavior uh, that is not sinful and uh, uh, we can uh, so I mean just things like uh, you know if if uh, someone has an elderly mother and, and they put them into a nursing home which is not bad by itself certainly uh, but then but then this person uh, just will not visit his mother. Uh, he just, uh, sh- his mother is dead to him and he never sees her. And for the next 15 years, you know, this, this man goes along about his uh, married life and he never ever visits his mother in the nursing home. And uh, I know that that is a serious sin. Uh, it's a mortal sin, um, uh, though it's not in any way sexual. Um, but he has offended God. You know, we, we, we simply cannot neglect our elderly parents. We, we can't just put them in a nursing home and then forget about them. I mean, they're, they're real human beings. They really do need to be visited. They, we, they, we need to be a part of their life. They need to be a part of our life. Uh, so other sins, non-sexual sins, which are mortally sinful. Well, um, in a, in normal circumstances not attending sunday mass uh, now obviously covid is here and so people have a dispensation but but uh once the dispensation goes away you know we 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 do we must attend sunday mass um uh, or saturday night mass which counts as sunday um because i mean this is a this is a very important obligation to worship god and to thank him for creating us um um so uh now obviously uh, there are exceptions to the Sunday mass rule uh if we're sick you know we don't have to go uh or if we're if we're severely immunocompromised uh, so I- I- if we get sick we could die uh well then obviously i mean there's, there's no sin in uh um refraining from going to Sunday mass if we if we're afraid of catching an illness and dying obviously so we can stay home in that situation. Um, obviously, if it's impossible, you know, uh, if it's impossible. So I mean, if we're on a uh, a boat crossing the Pacific Ocean, um, I mean, the, there's no, I mean, there's no way, there's no possible way we could go to Sunday Mass on the Pacific Ocean in the boat or you know, in the yacht. Um, and so, I mean, God is not, He's not. He's not dinging us for every Sunday that we miss while on the Pacific Ocean because he knows it's impossible. I mean, it, it just uh, – we, we can't do it. Um, now, of course, once we reach civilization again, once, once we're back into normal society again, he does expect us uh, to, to go to Sunday Mass. Uh, but while we're on the Pacific Ocean in the yacht, um, I, mean, I mean, it's, it's – obviously, we're not sinning each Sunday – Though it is a good idea each Sunday uh, to take time for prayer and reflection, uh, maybe even read the readings for the Mass, um, but uh, um, so that's another exception. Uh, another exception is is uh, if it's dangerous. So you know, uh, during ice storms, um, I often tell elderly people to not to not try and come to Sunday Mass. Um, it's too dangerous. Uh, we don't want them to slip and and fracture their hip so uh um, so there's no uh so obviously we we don't have to go if it's uh we don't have to go if it's dangerous and, and then of course there's the exception of uh, police officers and medical doctors um you know if they're if a doctor is on his way to Sunday mass but then he gets a text that uh, that there's been a terrible car wreck and people are dying and they need him at the hospital uh, okay so he he can go to the hospital and he can miss Sunday Mass uh, because uh, saving life trumps the Sunday mass obligation so so he is uh, he is still free uh, he is free to go and help save lives even if he has to miss Sunday mass now okay so aside from those normal exceptions, we, we do need to make it to Sunday Mass. Um, another, okay, here's another mortal sin, of grievous sin, which people often forget, which is spreading heresy. Um, uh, if a Catholic stands up and says, I know what the Church teaches about abortion, but I tell you the Church is wrong, and that God is perfectly fine with abortion. Okay, well, I mean, if someone says that, if a Catholic says that, they're committing the sin of heresy. I mean, they they are denying uh, a base the basic truths of the faith, and they're leading others into heresy as well or you know so if some and also if someone stands up and says, You know I know the church says that jesus is is truly God, but I tell you Jesus is not truly God, he was just a man um that uh if someone if a Catholic were to say that he he is guilty of heresy um he is denying the truth of the faith it, it's it's a serious sin it's a mortal sin. And he's endangering his soul, uh, so so we uh, um, we need to be aware of these things. I mean, there, there are there are very serious sins, very serious mortal sins, which are, which are not sexual sins in any way, uh, but they're still dangerous and they can still uh, uh, lead us to uh, hell. Um, so okay, so that's why we go to confession. Um, And when we go to confession, we have to confess all of our mortal sins. Um, And we need to confess the number of them if we know the number. If we don't know the number, then we just say a lot. Okay, I I did this a lot. Um, And uh, we also have to add those details which uh, make the sin worse. So, uh, I mean, so if a priest were to steal a chalice from a sanctuary, uh, and then he would to go sell it on eBay. Uh, well, he, he can't go to confession and simply say, well, I stole something. Uh, no, he has to, he has to say, I stole a chalice. I, I stole a sacred vessel and I sold it. Um, he has to add that detail. Um, so we have to add the details that make the sins worse. Um, and it is okay to add those details, which, you know, they don't they don't excuse our sin, but they do explain the, the weakness that we were feeling, that that uh, wh- how, how, why and how we were so weak. Maybe we had not slept in three days, and 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 that's why we made some, such a terrible decision, uh, a terrible choice to commit sin. You know, and we would not have committed that sin if we had gotten plenty of sleep. So it's also okay to. Uh, they're called mitigating circumstances. They're also okay to share the mitigating circumstances. Um, and now, if we happen to forget a mortal sin, uh, don't worry, you are forgiven. Uh, but we do need to add that mortal sin to our next confession. Um, we, uh, we're we obliged to do so. Um, so... Uh, so these are the uh and and then and then uh kind of the the structure of confession is uh we the person goes in and says bless me father for I have sinned um and then uh he says it's been so long since my last confession maybe a month maybe a year uh and then he 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 confesses his sins both mortal and venial uh and then the and then the priest might offer advice or he might might ask questions um, and we do have to try and be truthful and honest when we answer the questions. And uh and then he will uh give a penance. And you know we need to do our penance soon. It's best to just do it right away, and then he will give us absolution. And uh um, no no, the first we make our act of contrition, and then he gives us absolution. Um And then we are free of our sins, though we we do still need to go and perform our penance. Um, That is very important. Um, Now, uh, uh, and that is the sacrament of confession. Um, Now... I hope you all, I mean, if you all, if any of you all have questions, you can email me or text me, um, because I know you can't ask questions right now. Now, uh, as far as, uh, so let's let's put to rest confession for now. I hope, I mean, I hope I explained it well, and I'm sure, and there's more things I want to say, but I'm running out of time. Uh, so now anointing of the sick, well, that's, uh, um, it's a beautiful sacrament. It also forgives sin, and, uh, Um, It comes from the book of James. That's the first recorded instance of it. Now, Jesus, of course, gave us the anointing of the sick, but James was the first one to mention it. And James says that uh, if someone is sick, they can send for the priest, and the priest will come and anoint them, and the anointing will uh, forgive their sins. Now, the, the point of the anointing is possibly to provide physical healing, which does sometimes happen. Uh, that does sometimes happen, uh, but mainly it's for spiritual healing, and uh, also for uh, forgiveness of sins. So it, it so it kind of does three things: uh, is it uh, um, it it opens the door to physical healing if that's God's plan. Now, quite often it's not God's plan, but uh, it opens that door. It's uh, that becomes a possibility because of the anointing. Um, but quite often, it's not God's plan. But God always does provide spiritual healing, of course, during the anointing of the sick. That always happens. Uh, and, of course, all, all the person's sins are forgiven at the anointing of the sick. Now, and this is important because, obviously, if someone's unconscious, and quite often they are unconscious, they can't confess their sins. Or even if they can't speak, they're in such pain and distress, I mean, they can't really, they can't really hold a real conversation, Um, So that's why the anointing of the sick is so important, because it's a way to uh, forgive the sins of people who are unable to make a real confession. So, you know, and it's uh, um, so if someone receives the anointing of the sick, you know, you know, all their sins are, are forgiven. It would be very hard for someone to not be forgiven uh, I can only the, uh, the only instance where someone would not be forgiven through the anointing of the sick would be someone who is so uh, hard-hearted, angry, uh, and they don't want to repent of their sins, and they want to throw God's grace back in his face. Uh, uh, pretty much that's the only instance where the anointing would not have an effect. Uh, for, for anyone else, anyone else who is just a normal sinner, uh, the anointing of the sick will forgive their sins um and uh um the anointing of the sick can only be given to people who are age 7 and older and um uh also it's uh um, oh i'm sorry i'm still tired you know i need i need to drink more coffee um it is a beautiful sacrament. It's a uh, it, it we it's really only available for people who are near the occasion of death. Um possibly. So, uh uh someone who is uh having a surgery, you know, not likely they're going to die, but still that's a possibility. So, uh that's that's, you know, a time for the uh anointing of the sick, or uh, obviously the sick in general, Um, and also the elderly. Uh, These are all candidates for the anointing of the sick. All right, my friends, um, I'm very tired, and I have a lot to do, Um, but i was so glad I was able to share this with you, and uh, I'm going to uh, be sending this out to you all, and I hope that uh, you do enjoy it. Uh, Be sure to text me or email me your questions on the topic, and I would be happy to address them. And I will also add some more details about confession and anointing at the next class. God be with you all.